1: It's up to the Supreme Court to determine whether or not Trump will appear on the Colorado election ballot. If the U.S. Supreme Court rules that Colorado was correct, we can expect to see other state Supreme Courts follow suit.
0: That's CBS News legal contributor Jessica Levinson about the ruling by the Supreme Court in Colorado that former President Trump cannot be on the ballots, that he is ineligible because of the 14th Amendment, Section 3. And to give us more insight on that and what's to come, we visit with Dr. Justin Crow, Chair of Leadership Studies and Professor of Political Science at Williams College, and he is with us on the Quiver River Electric guest line. Good morning, Dr. Crow. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. And yourself? We're doing okay here, just trying to... Um, Really make sense of this ruling. Um, We'll get to what's to come next. But let's just talk about how you see this. Does this seem to be the correct decision made by the Supreme Court? And do you think other states will then follow suit?
1: Well I, I guess we have to think about this in a couple of ways there's there's the correct legal decision, and then there's what's likely to be the the political response and the political outcome uh, the The questions really in front of the Colorado Supreme Court here were um, one de, did president Trump um, engage in an insurrection on on January 6, twenty one, and if so, does the Fourteenth Amendment's insurrection clause in Section three um, apply to his conduct uh, as president and and bar him from from future office? Um, and I think there's a I think there's a reasonable legal case that the court made the correct legal decision. That if we look at um, what January 6 was and what. President Trump, how President Trump acted in that day, that, that he did um, engage in an insurrection. Uh, the lower court in Colorado that was that was overturned by the Supreme Court had determined that, that President Trump did engage in an insurrection, but that the clause in the 14th Amendment didn't apply to the president because the president has a distinct officer. The Colorado Supreme Court disagreed with that and said that it did apply to the president as it would apply to any other um, political officer. And so I, I think there's a there's a reasonable legal case to be made here that President Trump is barred from from the ballot by virtue of his activities on january six the The question there is a lot of that hinges on on what we think January sixth is and how we should interpret it, and what's necessary. Um, to prove that it was an insurrection. There's a lot of arguments going around now, and one of them came from one of the dissenting justices on the Colorado Supreme Court, that President Trump was denied due process here, effectively, that he wasn't allowed to prove that he wasn't engaged in an insurrection. And I think there's going to be a, a powerful argument made that um, even the ability to bar someone on the by virtue of the 14th Amendment insurrection clause requires some sort of independent determination some sort of independent conviction of uh, a charge related to insurrection which obviously has not happened yet.
2: Right, I, that was going to be my question. He he hasn't been convicted, he hasn't even technically been charged with insurrection or rebellion. Special counsel Jack Smith has brought other charges against him that look tangential to rebellion or or insurrection because of the attempting to obstruct constitutional processes. Does that language matter
1: there's gonna be an argument by a lot of people that it does and and it may well matter to the to the US Supreme Court which is ultimately where this is going to end up almost certainly um, about the the kind of factual determination that was made by the Colorado Supreme Court and by the lower court and uh, lower court judge in Colorado that that President Trump did engage in an insurrection um, that was not subject to that That was not the result of a criminal trial in any sense mm-hmm. right That was the result of a suit brought by um brought by individuals who thought that the President Trump should not be on the ballot. so there's going to be a, a a case here I think the the strongest objection perhaps to this on a on a legal level is whether that um that clause in the Fourteenth Amendment requires some sort of independent criminal conviction um to determine that someone actually has been engaged in an insurrection.
0: Yeah, that's that was also where I was going to go with it. Just because um, we we've seen at least some analysis of it that says it doesn't matter. It did, the Department of Justice doesn't have to find um, that that he committed an insurrection. The court itself can do that. Does this? Does what one state does? Or I'm, I'm guessing the answer is yes. But I'm, I want to know how much does it matter in terms of precedent? So if if, if Colorado has done this another state's similar lawsuit has been brought. Is it easier for them to make a similar decision? So legally,
1: it's not binding, right? So there have been suits in what, Michigan, New Hampshire. Um, legally, nothing that the Colorado Supreme Court did is binding on any other state. Politically, though, there's the question of of whether the Colorado Supreme Court has, has kind of broken the seal here and has opened up a possibility that other states may choose to rely on that same sort of reasoning or may look to the Colorado Supreme Court as having taken the first step that other states or other judges or justices might not have been willing to do. So again, legally, there's nothing binding about it. But politically, certainly once um, one actor takes a a big step, it makes it more likely that others are going to be willing to do so.
2: The two biggest questions, which we've already talked about, is Is the president an officer of the United States? So does his office fall under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment? And um, the conviction, the lack of charge, the lack of conviction on insurrection or rebellion? Those are the two big questions, because he could be considered an officer, but the court could say, yeah, but he wasn't charged with rebellion. Or you could say he was guilty of rebellion, but he's not an officer, which one of those, A or B, to you is the bigger sticking point?
1: Um, to me, B is the bigger sticking point, uh, which is which is basically the the lack of a charge on insurrection. I mean, I think there, you know, the the lower court judge in Colorado made a determination that the president was not included um, in the language of the Fourteenth Amendment. I think there's been a lot of a lot of scholars who pointed out the ways in which historically, given the context of of why the 14th Amendment was written, which was, of course, um, after the Civil War to prevent former Confederates um, from coming back into the U.S. government, um, that it would seem odd and counterintuitive to include lower officers in that um, bar, but not... Um, not a a principal officer of the constitution in the, in the form of the president so i think it seems uh, it seems more likely to me that the objection is going to to come or that the complication is going to arise on on the more kind of due process question of a of a court has made a kind of administrative judicial determination not subject to a criminal conviction um, or even a charge on a related uh, related course of action
0: Dr. Justin Crow, a Professor of Political Science at Williams College, with us on k m o x. you mentioned um earlier that we would probably be looking at the next step here could very well be um whatever decision is made, could be more political. Do you think that the Supreme Court, when they do look at this, inevitably they will when they take a look at this, how much will politics play into the decision they make?
2: well
1: i I think when we think about politics in the Supreme Court, we need to be precise about what we mean. So how much will politics play into it in the sense of you have a number of justices who are appointed by President Trump and perhaps some others who support President Trump versus a number who don't support President Trump? There's thinking about politics in terms of of partisanship um, on the one hand, and then there's thinking about politics in terms of The kind of political affairs and stability and and, and broader context of the nation. Um, Whether or not the first plays a role, it's it's impossible to imagine that the second does not. The court has a sense, always has a sense of kind of its unique role in the political system. The idea um, that it is final, not as Justice Robert Jackson once said, because it is infallible. It's not the last rule because it never makes a mistake. But in some sense, uh, again, as Justice Jackson said, it is infallible because it is final, right? Because it is the last one to make a ruling. It is ultimately the one that is going to stand and is going to be regarded as legitimate. And the court takes that very seriously. And we have here a situation that brings us back 23 some odd years to Bush versus Gore, Mm -hmm. in which the court then was also faced with the task of effectively deciding a presidential election. And here the court is not deciding a presidential election, and certainly Colorado is not going to be a state in any one sense that is going to be decisive in the presidential election. But the court is having to weigh in to an inherently political process on a politically controversial issue and topic. And, And that's something that the court usually does not like to do, um, does not like to veer off or, or, or get out of its lane, does not like to be drawn into what looks like the ordinary kind of hurly-burly of politics. And so the court is is almost going to be forced to do that in this instance, because obviously President Trump's team is, is appealing the ruling. The Colorado Supreme Court has stayed its own ruling. And I believe there's a clause in there that says that as long as this is being litigated, um, President Trump will remain on the primary ballot. So there's, there's the kind of context of, of a presidential election or of um, a presidential primary, at least specifically here, hanging in the balance. And, and I think it's impossible to imagine that those sorts of considerations don't weigh on the court
2: here. When you look at this decision, uh, this upcoming probably decision of the Supreme Court, do you see it as potentially precedent setting where it can change the trajectory of presidential elections? Or do you see the circumstances stances surrounding Trump in January six six as an extraordinary outlier and won't really have a lot of effect on elections moving forward?
1: I guess the latter. I mean, if we have a situation in which we are frequently faced with this kind of behavior, if we are are facing a situation in which January 6th ceases to look remarkable, then I think we have larger problems as a democracy than the fact that the Supreme Court has set some precedent on who can and can't rule, uh, can and can't run for office. I guess the broader question or the broader way to think about it is this kind of what we would think about as – politics by other means, The rather than um, trying to defeat someone in office, if we see an increased move to try to get people um, removed from ballots or banned from running for office or things like that, um, again, I, I think that seems unlikely to me and is only coming up here because of the rather remarkable behavior um, that occurred on, on January 6th. We've seen some evidence of that in, in other places. So for example, the willingness of of both parties now to censure members of the opposite party in Congress or to try to remove members of the opposite party from committee assignments based on controversial statements or actions. There has been a sense in our polarized political world that once once the toothpaste is out of the tube on those, it's hard to get it back in and then it becomes a constant tit for tat, um, each party kind of responding to the other in kind this strikes me as another um as a difference of of not merely degree but a difference of kind and so it strikes me as, as unlikely that we're going to see future attempts um of this magnitude or that this is just going to become a go-to move by political parties to try to ban opposition from the supreme uh, from the from the old. From the ballot,
0: excuse me. If, if you have, I don't know if you can answer this question in about twenty seconds, but off topic here, um, Justice Clarence Thomas has had a lot of attention uh, paid in his direction, and the latest is the report that. Um, There was he was receiving gifts because he was considering leaving the Supreme Court and there were conservative activists who did not want him to. And so ultimately may have taken money or gifts or whatever. It's all alleged. What is your take on that situation? Yeah, I mean, the the
1: the reporting that's been done on this by ProPublica, among other outlets, about the um, connections between Justice Thomas and a number of wealthy individuals, um, in in the conservative political and legal establishment, I think goes to raise some real questions about um, the extent to which um, members of the court are truly isolated from broader political currents. I think political scientists have long said, they're not. They're part of a political order. They're part of a political system. They have spouses who act in politics. They vote. They have political opinions. Um, but there's something of a mythology about the Supreme Court. They get up there in their black robes. They're separate from everyone else. When they come to the State of the Union, for those who continue to go, they sit there stoic and silent. They don't clap. They don't cheer. They don't stand up. They don't do anything. That they are somehow removed from politics. And I think part of what's been um, eye-opening to a number of people has been the ways in which Thomas and Alito, writing a, an op-ed in the Washington, uh, in this Wall Street Journal, for instance, in the last year, and others engaging more publicly on what seemed like partisan, polarized issues, um, has really kind of opened people's eyes to the fact that the court is not isolated or separated from politics. And once we Acknowledge the ways in which it's intertwined with politics, and we acknowledge the ways in which justices are influenced by political actors, um, or potentially influenced by political actors. Then we start to have to ask serious questions about the awesome power that that they wield, and how and why it's legitimate in a in a purported democratic nation.
0: Dr. Crow, appreciate the time again. Thank you for visiting with us. My pleasure. Take care. Dr. Justin Crowe, chair of leadership studies and professor of political science at Williams College, uh, expertise in the Supreme Court and constitutional law with us here on KMOX. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time?